This is the Consumed Podcast, featuring conversations with the eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers of California's Central Coast. I'm a food writer and your host, Jamie Lewis. Before we get to the guest, I want to tell you about an event I'm hosting in collaboration with At Her Table, a food festival that celebrates women. The live event is called Apron Strings, a conversation about motherhood and the hospitality industry. And it's happening Tuesday, March 7th from 6 to 8 p.m. at There Does Not Exist Brewing in San Luis Obispo. In this live podcast recording, I'll speak with four mothers who own restaurants, Fabian Tefera of Ebony Slow, Brittany Gonzalez of Central Coast Tacos, Shani Covey of Luna Red and Robin's Restaurant, and Sam Whitaker of Bing's Bao Buns. And we want you in the audience. Admission is free, but you need to RSVP to claim your seat. Head to letsgetconsumed.com slash events for more info and a link to that RSVP. Thanks. I also want to give a shout out to some of the Consumed Podcast sponsors. Consumed is sponsored by Mid-State Containers, Cargo Storage Containers, and Refrigerated Shipping Containers for sale and rent in California. You may not understand how Mid-State Containers could change your life, but the truth is, Many, many guests on the Consumed podcast use MidState for their projects. Containers can serve as wine storage units for case goods, for private collections, and even tasting rooms. They can be refrigerated storage containers for breweries, kegs, and fruit during harvest for wineries. MidState Containers outfits coolers and freezers for ranchers, farmers market growers, orchards, and butchers. Containers can make great pop-up coffee bars and berry containers for root sellers. My guest from Season 10, Krista Flieger, from Lonely Palm Ranch, uses her mid-state container for an office on her property. Other ideas include schoolrooms, music and photography studios, and there are other things that can be grown, stored, and processed in a mid-state container, so use your imagination and get on their website to request a quote. Midstatecontainers.com The Consume Podcast is sponsored by Slow Life Magazine, a bi-monthly publication that celebrates the spirit of San Luis Obispo. I've been writing for Slow Life's food column since 2015, and I've covered a whole lot of restaurants and eaten a whole lot of dishes in that time. Standouts include the fries at Beta's Beer Garden, the carnitas at Taqueria Santa Cruz, the bao at Mihang Lo, and the burgers at Flavor Factory. For the next issue, I'm writing about French bistro cuisine at Blue Moon over Avila and executive chef Jose Dahan. I won't spoil the surprise, but if you're a francophile, you're going to want to read that article. Look for Slow Life Magazine in your mailbox every other month or get yourself a subscription at slowlifemagazine.com. Do you want to be more intentional about the meat you eat and feed your family? Have you even considered giving up eating meat entirely because you can no longer justify supporting the inhumane and industrialized system that brings meat to your dinner table? If you're looking for a simple way to guarantee you always have access to healthy, sustainably farmed meat and wild seafood, the Larder Meat Co. is here to help. Since 2016, Larder Meat Co. has been delivering farm-raised beef, pork, chicken, lamb, and wild seafood sourced from right here in the Golden State to customers who demand the highest quality proteins as well as intentional sourcing standards and transparency. A convenient club box from Larder Meat Co. makes it easy to automate the most important part of your monthly food budget. 
you can build a custom box or choose from one of the many curated bundles that LMC offers. As a Larder Meat Co. customer, you are supporting the ever-dwindling ranching industry that has fed us for generations, and you're building a sustainable future for your family, our ranchers, and the planet. Use code CONSUMED at checkout to save $25 on your first subscription and check healthy farm-raised meat and wild seafood off your grocery list for good. That's LarderMeatCo.com. Promo code CONSUMED for $25 off your first subscription. Okay, on to the episode. Sarah Garofalo teaches the principles of Ayurveda and intuitive eating to clients across the country and, I suspect, across the world. She's been featured on Medium, NBC Miami, Yahoo, and Voyage LA for her approach to working with clients who struggle with disordered eating habits. Sarah lives in San Luis Obispo, but she grew up in Italy near Milan, and she developed an eating disorder at a young age. With her clients today, she uses those experiences and the solutions she found to them to heal below-the-surface trauma that gets in the way of eating for pleasure. Listen in as Sarah and I talk about binge eating, her new cookbook coming out, and the beauty of lasagna and tiramisu. Here's Sarah Garofalo. Sarah Garofalo. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I speak some Italian, so um, it's fun to have somebody... Come in and I don't know, like I could. Posso parlare con italiano se se vuoi. Se, se vuoi. Oh my goodness, that's gonna be fun. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, so, Sarah, I we were just talking about how we came across each other. I I think you followed me on Instagram, and then I just out of curiosity looked. Oh no, you know what it was? You said something on a post, and I can't. Maybe we were in. Uh, Amsterdam or something, and you said, God, I miss Europe. And mm. so, and that's what it was. And I, I looked back at it recently and I was like, oh, that's the kind of comment that will make me, you know, poke around and find out more about somebody. And it just turns out that you have a really interesting history with food. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm a foodie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. History with food, present with food. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you help people, if I hope I'm saying this right, you help people with intuitive eating. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Yeah. I, it's been my journey and I've healed my relationship with food and then I went into the real intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. And plus, it's my culture. Like, it's yeah. all around food. So, yeah. for an Italian to say that they're a foodie is almost redundant. I mean, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, can you tell me a little bit about how, maybe tell me how you grew up, where, where in the country you grew up? So I was born and raised in a small little village in Brescia, which is the city near Milan, so the northern part of Italy. And uh, I'm in between two lakes, so you see the Alps, it's really beautiful, vineyards, and everything is revolved around the rituals of meal times and we talk about food and we go out and have food but my mom is a wonderful chef and she raised me on home cooked meals yeah since i was like 16 and then i started to go out and eat and try yes. different cuisines but i was raised with really like authentic food mm-hmm. and at some point though i developed eating disorders did that, about what age did you develop an eating disorder? Around 16. Okay. 
I mean, kind of a common age, I think, for that to occur, right? It's such a vulnerable age. Yeah. And um, that spiraled from binge eating. Then she took me to a dietitian and it spiraled into a diet obsession, Mm -hmm. like fat diets and restricting calories for two years. So it kind of started to end around 18, but at 18 years old, then I realized that I needed to get to know myself. Mm-hmm. And I started traveling the world mm-hmm. by myself with a backpack, following my intuition. And that's when I found Ayurveda or yeah. Ayurveda found me, mm-hmm. which that was the last step after practicing mindful eating and all of the positive affirmations around body image. I realized in through that journey that food could be spiritual or at least a vessel to treat your body mm-hmm. like a temple. Yeah. And now that's what you do for a living, right? That's what I do for a living. You help others kind of to walk that same path of discovery. Yes. And I help them kind of ditch the diet and stop feeling drained around like counting calories yeah. and food guilt and realizing that food can be absolutely medicine and they can really learn the art of being intuitive. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't hear, at least I, you know, I don't often hear of people other than Americans having an eating, eating disorder. Now, that being said, I know that they do, but you don't hear about it um, all that often And I wonder, do you think it's just as prevalent where you grew up, but maybe not as talked about? Or do you think that it's not as prevalent where you grew up as it is here? There are two different kinds. I would say like it is prevalent in Italy, Mm -hmm. even though if you look at Italians, they're very, very thin. So Mm -hmm. I would say there is the body dysmorphia over there more than the binge eating. And over here, from my own experience... I have met more of um, the binge eaters. Like there is a lot of like more um, above the 200 pounds kind of range. And um, different kinds Mm -hmm. of eating disorders. Yeah. Yeah. With how, so they're both disordered eating, right? The body dysmorphia and... um... And binging, I always find it, I have some disordered eating in my history too. And what I find so common is you really don't have, this is just me giving my opinion. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's true or not, but more often than not, if there is disordered eating, there is body dysmorphia. Like whether you are restricting or binging, there is often this very disconnected, detached relationship to the body and what somebody sees in a reflection. Absolutely. And that's correct. And also there is the self punishment Mm -hmm. behavior. So you're kind of like abusing your body. I mean, it's a very strong word, but when I realized what I was doing, it kind of flipped Mm -hmm. the coin for me. I was like, wait, I can do this to myself. Mm -hmm. And there is a disconnection. Yeah. Um, to this concept, you know, you get so disconnected. Yes. Yes. Which <clears> is, <throat> I, I think probably the root of mental illness, right? Is mm-hmm. a disconnection from, uh, when the body and the mind are no longer partnering, 
or, or they're seen separately. The person, you know, self-perception is that the body and the mind are separate. Absolutely. And what most people don't realize and they, what they get caught up in is they focus on dieting. Okay. Mm -hmm. They have an eating disorder, even like following fat diets. Mm -hmm. It's just a toxic loop. And what they don't realize is that it has little to nothing to do with diet. Mm. Most of the times there is like a root cause to why they're having that behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are you seeing in, uh, in your clients? I mean, obviously it's confidential, but what are some patterns that you see? There are different ones. Most, honestly, most commonly I, I see, unfortunately, especially in America, Mm -hmm. not in uh, Europe so far, Uh, whether it was physical, sexual, or emotional abuse Mm -hmm. in their childhood. And that comes up during the subconscious reprogramming session that I offer. Yeah. Everything comes up. Mm -hmm. And it could have been just a comment from the grandma that said, oh my God, you look fat in those pants. Yeah. Or and, you can't eat that. Or you can't eat that, yeah. right? So most commonly I see that. Um, then sometimes I see the relationship with their parents. Mm-hmm. If the parents were controlling, then they started to control their body. Mm-hmm. If they were abandonment, uh, abandoned. So we have deeper like wounds that show up in their relationship with food. And why they got disconnected. Maybe they started protecting themselves. Maybe they didn't want to be seen. Mm. Maybe they started to be really hard to find the approval from their parents. Mm -hmm. So they really pushed themselves into like heavy workouts or restricting. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. I, I remember when I was, the first time I'd ever heard about an eating disorder, anorexia, bulimia, um, those those particular eating disorders was you know who Karen Carpenter is the she was a singer in the mm-hmm. 70s and she died from complications with anorexia mm-hmm. and when i was a kid i'd say maybe like in the late 80s early 90s there was a documentary done about her or maybe like a a reenactment of her life or something and i watched it and i had never heard of restricting to the point where you could die or bulimia, the concept of vomiting to get rid of food. I mean, it's so foreign as to a child, um, at least it, to mm-hmm. me as a child. Um, and I wonder with all of that, I mean, it is such a foreign concept, but then I remember thinking and talking with my mom about it and she said something that I think is at least has to be partly true that somebody who has an eating disorder is trying to, it's like the last thing they can control or they feel like it's the, the only thing they can control mm-hmm. is their body. Exactly. It's yeah. the only thing they can control because they're out of control in other areas of their life mm-hmm. and they don't see a way out. Yeah. They don't. The, the fact that you see so much abuse in uh, people with eating disorders from way back or a comment or whatever, that is so, so... It's so sad, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, it's yeah. really sad. And it Europe is way different. There are 
very le less cases in my opinion than what I've seen here so mm -hmm. far and everything comes up in those sessions so it's really sad yeah, yeah. do you feel like as somebody um, who comes from outside the U.S. that you have a different perspective on that when you work with clients yeah absolutely first of all not only for, I'm speaking from my own Italian culture, we have a deeper connection with food. And over here, there is a total disconnection with food. Mm -hmm. And then the second of all is, and I'm still trying to figure it out why there is so many cases and there are so many cases of whether it's neglect or mm -hmm. sexual, physical, emotional abuse, a, a lot of them. It's rampant. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. When you say that, um, that in Europe there's a deeper connection to food and here there's a lot of detachment, can you explain what that means? Absolutely. I mean, for an Italian, food is a ritual to connect with family, have wonderful conversations. And at the same time, when you sit down, you register that you're eating mm -hmm. and your body digests it really well. And we love food. It's kind of like we talk about food and we're like, what can we try now? Mm -hmm. we're very excited and over here most of the times people are robotic mm -hmm. they find food as a way of fueling their body I was just going to ask you about <laughs> food as fuel that yeah. whole discussion is so bizarre to me and there is no pleasure so I yeah. see lack of pleasure in the small things of life which Italians they're all about pleasure. Like mm -hmm. food needs to taste really good. And I'm not going out in Italy and ordering a salad. And over here, there is a lot of, <laughs> I'm going out and I'm eating super healthy and like I'm eating a salad. And it's like, it's, it's, I don't know. It's really very different. So, yeah. uh, and it's fuel. There's yeah. no deep, like emotional connection mm. or they eat standing up or in the Guilty. car and Guilty. Yeah, yeah. Well, so the salad comment is interesting to me because I do often have a salad at lunch and I, I maybe I've just convinced myself I really like them. I don't know. Like there are some good ones around here. But if I'm not eating salad, what would I eat to find pleasure and how do I eat that without overdoing it and gaining weight? That's I want you to work on me, Sarah. It's time. <laughs> Free session. <laughs> uh, there are some very simple rules. So if you look at the Italian lifestyle, um, they have three meals a day. Mm -hmm. So the body needs a regular kind of like schedule. Now, Italians, if you look at, that, at them, they also don't skip or miss their carbs intake mm -hmm. they have a sweet breakfast and usually lunch is carbs like rice and pasta mm -hmm. and the lighter meal of the day is uh, dinner why is because our metabolism is at its peak during lunchtime mm -hmm. so you can burn pretty much anything during lunchtime hmm. so that's best before if you... you go to sleep and go into hibernation mode exactly okay. and over here People have, whether it's a no breakfast or a heavy breakfast, I see both, yeah. then they skip lunch and then they're so hungry by five and they eat so much mm -hmm. and then they go to bed and everything sits there. Yeah, right. 
Well, uh, our you need time to be able to have a good substantial lunch. You need time. You need time. It turns out that's kind of like the magic. But over there, trick. we honor time. Right? And all the businesses and people and schools are on the same page. They close down. I'm going to lunch. See you in an hour and a half, two mm-hmm. or three. Yeah. And over here, we don't honor time. We're on, on the go. Yeah. And I have been guilty myself of um, coming here and I have done what other people are doing to fit in mm-hmm. and to rush mm-hmm. it. And I started skipping lunch and then I was like, wait, I need to go back to my my roots right yeah, now. Right, right. <laughs> oh gosh, yes, you must be fighting that all the time because it's just so different mm-hmm. here. You know, the sad desk salad at work. I mean, you've already talked about, you know, eating at work and eating salads and that, that hashtag sad desk salad where you're sitting at the computer eating some gross salad from like the gas station yeah. is the epitome you know that that's a very sad time of life when you're having to cram <laughs> down a gross salad mm-hmm. um, at your desk. That's just not it. It uh, if we're talking about metabolism being at its strongest during the peak of the day, that's not maximizing it. No, and I would say don't be afraid of gaining weight because if you do the smaller breakfast, have your meal of the day during lunchtime, and then you get your salad at night mm. or protein and veggies or soup, you're fine. Mm-hmm. Your body runs really well and you maintain your weight. Yeah. So do you eat a sweet breakfast every morning? I actually change that through the years because mm-hmm. um, I realized that to maintain and regulate my mood, I couldn't have that. So it's a, an occasional treat. Mm-hmm. I have oatmeal or sometimes avocado toast. It's yeah. my favorite. Yeah. yeah, but not, I mean, when we were in Italy, it, people were eating cookies for breakfast, oh, essentially. that's normal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that. So that's one thing that I've changed. Yeah. I don't think that's super healthy. And it contributes when you think about the gut-brain connection to mm-hmm. um, mood swings. And yeah. that's why Italians are so fiery most of the time. <laughs> they have this blood sugar crash. Oh, <laughs> they need to eat again. So, yeah, I feel like it's cultural too. <laughs> the, that there's an, oh, I just love it. I love studying cultures all over the world, including within the United States. There's mm-hmm. such different work ethics and styles of eating and styles of, um, scheduling and, and taking time. And, uh, you know, at, like on the East coast, when I live there, people are often more matter of fact, they're very direct and I found that when we were in Italy, there's a lot of directness there too, which I love and also kind of scares me um, because here in California, we are friendly and uh, we don't want to r- ruffle feathers, whatever, but there's something really beautiful about directness also with food. And this is when we eat. This is when all people eat. These are the kinds of things that we eat. Seasonality is so mm-hmm. important. Um I mean, so important. Like It is very important. If you're eating a tomato in January, mm-hmm. you might get, actually get looks from people. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's so deeply embedded. Yeah. yeah. I agree with that. And over here, you can find anything at any point in time. So mm-hmm. you go to the store and you get a papaya in the middle of January. And right. so we're kind of more disconnected. But yeah, bring it back to the season. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Do you live in San Luis? Yeah. Okay. So do you head to farmer's markets and shop that way? Yeah, I try my best. And then obviously because I need to take care of my kids Mm -hmm. and uh, my business and it's just me. So yeah, I do my best. Yeah. And And you said that your kids are in elementary school. Mm -hmm. Middle. Yes. Yeah. How do they eat? How, how do you teach them how to eat without causing any kind of, you know, um, like that detachment or becoming too focused on what to eat? It's very interesting and it's a great question because we all, they also are exposed to two different households. Mm -hmm. And what I see when they come back, they snack all the time. Mm -hmm. So they don't have the rhythms of the meals. And when they're at, you know, our house, we have uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner with, yes, a snack, but we don't constantly eat. Right. And so... I try to teach them the value of like sitting down and connection and I include them in the preparation of my meals mm-hmm. and the meals. And I'm like, okay, let's do, let's make this. And they, they love it. So I try to help them make that connection by exposing them yeah. to different recipes. Yeah. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And you have a book either coming out or just out. Coming right? out. A cookbook. A health cookbook. Yeah. Yeah, and tell me about that project. So that's a blend between my Italian culture and the Ayurvedic studies Mm -hmm. for mind, body, and soul. It's gluten-free, dairy-free because mainly that's my lifestyle right now, even though occasionally I have my pizza, you know? Yeah, right. Um, And I have chapters that will um, really take you through my journey with food and expose you to like gut-brain connection and energetic causes of weight gain, we can go deep down into that route and also the Italian lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And it's gluten-free and dairy-free, all my favorite recipes. That's how I pretty much eat. There is a lot of pleasure in my recipes, but at the same time, I make sure that they are nutritious and healthy and I don't feel sluggish after Mm -hmm. words. I still have, I have lasagna in there. Oh, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Do you make it with gluten-free noodles? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And it tastes the same. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I reproduced the, my mom's recipe. I just switched some of the ingredients, but I kept the, the taste. That's awesome. The same. Yeah. About, is it a pretty big, did you, did it take years to come up with? I actually, no, no. It took me six months to write everything down, but I had the recipes Yeah, um, for years. You know, I needed to make them and edit them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when a client comes to you and says, I need help with my eating. I mean, they could say any number of things, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like how much I weigh. I don't like the way my pants fit. Or um, I'm in my head and I'm obsessed with calories and I'm uncomfortable with that. Um, what's the first step that you take them through? So it depends where they are at always. So if there is still the emotional eating, that's a different route. We need to break down the subconscious um, beliefs that they have and what's triggering them to have that behavior. Because even if we go into gut health healing, like Mm -hmm. they're not going to do it because they still have this self-sabotaging thoughts. Mm -hmm. Then if they come in and they're like, 
I have been going from diet to diet and they're ready for the next step because there are four stages Mm -hmm. of healing your relationship with food. And there is the process of gut healing. Mm -hmm. So really focusing on healing their gut and also practicing some mindful activities that that connect them with the food and themselves because at the end of the day, they need to get to know themselves and feel healthier. Yeah. And the last step is the intuitive mm-hmm. eating, which is based upon the principles of Ayurveda, how I teach it. Mm-hmm. And I teach them that they have one body type and food has different energies so the, and properties. Mm-hmm. So a salad has a different energy than a potato. <laughs> yes. And you need to know your body type to understand if um, you can metabolize that food really well or not mm-hmm. and so I, I teach them how to dance with that so that they have a sustainable solution for the long run and what increases anxiety and depression and how to balance all of that yeah. through food are the, there are four types right the Ayurvedic um, three three pardon me and the things that work for each of those the diets that work for each of those best are they very different pretty much really yeah they yeah. are and they all have different energies. So one is primarily air, the other one is fire, and then we have earth, right? Mm-hmm. So if someone has a lot of earth, so a lot of already groundiness and heavier bones, you know, mm-hmm. they can absolutely choose foods that are lighter, mm-hmm. like a salad and a smoothies and all of those things and raw foods. But if someone is already air, which is kind of like predominantly where I'm at right now in my life, mm-hmm. I'm air and fire then salad will not really agree with me hmm. or raw foods because it increases my anxiety and I feel always like I'm grounded. So I need a lot of grounding foods and also to balance bowel movements. So we look mm-hmm. at that too. And yeah. fire needs a lot of cooling mm-hmm. <laughs> in their diet. Oh my gosh. Have you always been, you think that this is a season of life where air and fire is more... No, I've always danced. Yeah. Um, there, th- that's my nature. Yeah. When I was younger, though, it was fire and air. Mm-hmm. When I was primarily. in Italy, primarily. Mm-hmm. And I'm still very fiery, yet my body right now is leaning towards air. Mm-hmm. And I need to bring it always back down, you know. Mm-hmm. How yeah. do you measure that? I mean, how I realize it's not a blood test where you're like, oh, you're fire. But how do you test for that? Well, I've been practicing practicing this for like the past ten years, mm. so it comes very natural. I have you a can quiz. Just see it, kind of. I have a quiz, and then I, right now I see it. Like I'm very intuitive when someone comes in and mm-hmm. what they need. Um, but you measure it by looking at the symptoms. Mm-hmm. So if I'm having constipation and I'm prone to anxiety, that's an air symptom. Right. <laughs> Did you know that when you met me? Yeah. I know who you, <laughs> what kind of body type you have. And if someone is coming to me and I had clients that with like diarrhea and yeah. the doctor didn't know what to do and they wanted to put him, put them on medications, then we changed their diet mm-hmm. and we needed to stop it, you know, a few things and, and what was causing and, and then, uh, they got better, mm-hmm. you know? So, and if someone is primarily weight gain is a kapha symptom, 
So it's an earth. Mm. You have too much earth right now. Mm-hmm. So we need to rebalance it with the other two elements. Yeah. Can I share things about my food? Like, can I just treat you like my personal? Absolutely. Okay, yeah. good. I just don't want to um, abuse my privilege here. Um, so I have been about the same size weight for a long time. Um, I'm 40, almost 45. So menopause is on the horizon somewhere. I can't tell how far out it is, but there are some signals that it's coming. Mm -hmm. And, um, one of them is my shape is changing. Yeah. Um, have you worked with anybody menopausal or perimenopausal? Okay. Yeah. And so I can't, sometimes I can't tell if I am, do I just need to be more active, which that has been wonderful. I will say I started to do a lot more cardiovascular stuff and it just feels so good to like work hard. I know that's not a very Italian thing to say Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, it just sometimes feels so good to sweat and my lungs to expand and Mm -hmm. you can just feel the oxygen hit my brain and it's so great. Um, but the exercise notwithstanding, I would you say that a person like me is perhaps getting more into earth territory, be- no. becoming earthier? No, the last stage of an individual's journey is vata. So a kid is in kapha mm-hmm. stage, then I'm in pitta, so that's puberty towards like menopause, and then menopause and beyond is a vata stage. So you are already. Uh, vata pitta and then you're going to go into a vata stage which is air mm. and you need to constantly balance the air quality right now that's what we do with clients and um, when you say your body's changing what do you mean by that it's I'm getting rounder I've never had hips or thighs or anything like that and all of a sudden those mm-hmm. are there um, if I've ever gained it's always been in my gut and so all of a sudden it's it's like happening in other places which I'm sure any woman who's gone through menopause is just cackling right now because that's expected right it is expected I can promise you that because you have the vata in you you won't gain more than 10 pounds Hmm. so it's kind of like I tell women like it's a natural process of aging and you need to be okay with your body changing, yet you're not going to gain more than 10 because that's your body type. Mm-hmm. I have, that's what I've seen and I'm not worried about that. What I, The next question that I would ask would be, okay, but what are you eating now? Because I've heard you saying salads and salad doesn't agree with your body yeah. type. That's so. so funny that you <laughs> raised that because I was going to say... Um, that I tried to, so my husband has celiacs, so he Mm -hmm. has to be gluten-free. Um, and I tried to do that. I actually even tried to go grain-free when I was, yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah, absolutely. It was, it was, well, for some people that makes them feel all this mental clarity and they have all this energy. Mm -hmm. It made me so, I felt so heavy and so I wouldn't say that I got tired, but it just, it didn't feel like I was eating. Mm. It's so, I, I don't know how else to say it. It felt like I was just always kind of skimming on the top of food. Plus it also made me think about food, not because I was obsessed with where my next meal meal was coming from, but more so like, 
okay, I can't have that. Oh shoot. I can't have that. Okay. I'll make my own special thing. And we can't go to this friend's house because they don't have, it just, it started to consume Mm. my life. And the thing that broke it was eating, um, down at flower house. Yeah. Yeah. I had Alberto's pizza when they weren't even flower house yet. I was part of a marketing team that was tasting it and, you know, learning about the product and, I just got so weepy. It was so, so good. I don't know why I decided to break it then. Since then, fermented dough Mm. feels so good to eat. I had today, I had beautiful bread bike, giant slice of sourdough, and it feels, I mean, bread has been demonized, but this is not. Yeah. Bad for me. Like, I can tell you without knowing anything nutritionally, this is not bad for me. It feels really good. Does that jive with what you would say? I would say that you were in tune with the the feeling of, like, removing gluten for mm-hmm. a vata. I do it because I can feel the difference, but there are times where I feel too airy. So that's what you were describing. Like, you felt so light. Yeah. And you need groundiness. So, um you're focusing also on quality versus quantity. That's what I'm hearing, Mm -hmm. which is great. Like go and have Alberto's pizza. It's the best pizza in town. Like I always go there. (laughs) Um, That's amazing. What I would change though, in the, from what I've heard you say today, I would consume. So a Vata going into Vata, I would consume more like warm cook foods, even Mm -hmm. if it's sauteed because it's, easier to digest so your body doesn't have to work that hard okay, yeah. to break it. So what you want is for your body to be like um, having like a, a smooth, smoother mm-hmm. like digestive system, right? And I would increase fats, like yeah. healthy fats, mm-hmm. avocado, olive oil, and uh, focus on quality, obviously. Yeah. I'm As you're talking about that, I'm picturing like, a lentil doll. Yes. Or um, soups, curries, smoothies, things that have already been processed to some degree, so it's not so hard on my system. Mm-hmm. Does that okay. sound right? Yeah. If you do smoothies for your body type, make sure that they um, you consume them in summertime mm. and that they are kind of like room temperature, not frozen. Yeah. So that's what I suggest. I don't but like yeah. super cold or super no, hot exactly, foods. Exactly, right. Yeah. Because you have that energy, the, the pita vata. I can't drink water that's cold. Yeah. That's too and funny. That's intu- it's it. very intuitive. You yeah. know, your body, there is a reason behind hmm. what you're feeling, but you're right on track, you know, for hmm. that. Yeah. That's so fun. Not just fun, but I, th- I like gathering information from everywhere. Um, it's helpful that way, mm-hmm. you know, and t- triangulate you know, where does this line up with my experience, whatever. But I'm hearing you about the bread. Maybe the reason I love bread bike bread so much and Alberto's pizza is that it is so, it's like, you know, 24 hour fermentation on Alberto's dough. So maybe of the different kinds of breads, those are the ones that I, that feel the best to me. And fermented foods are more digestible in general. So a lassi, you know, the probiotics drink that you can Mm -hmm. find at Whole Foods is, um, way more digestible than a Greek yogurt because yeah. it's fermented yeah. and it helps the digestive system. So that's what you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. What's the Ayurvedic or just your uh, 
thoughts on protein because protein has become such a, a word for, you know, it's like, well, if it has protein in it, then it's a okay. But is that true for everyone? No, okay. I think that's kind of funny. <laughs> it's what you read online. And so many of my clients come in and they're so focused on having so many proteins throughout the day, like too much even. So the body doesn't really register them at some point. So again, different body types. If you're a vata, actually you need a little bit of animal protein. grounded earth. Now the vata is air, oh, and the, yes. no, it's it's okay. Like vata needs some animal proteins because okay. animal protein will ground you. Mm-hmm. They're heavier to digest. And not I'm not saying like three times a day. Yeah, I don't think that's healthy for anybody. Uh, the pita is the one with the strongest metabolism, so they can have an, even like twice a day. Mm-hmm. And is that fire? That's fire. Okay, they can kind of burn pretty much anything, mm-hmm. and the earthy one they do best on a vegetarian slash vegan diet that's interesting yeah because they have already a lot of earth so meat and fish are harder to digest Mm -hmm. for for them and obviously they do the opposite but that's that's okay like you kind of need to also follow your body i would say for anybody it's okay to have it once a day that's what italians do Mm -hmm. Most of the time, they have a sweet breakfast, they have a risotto with vegetables or a pasta with like tomato sauce mm-hmm. and a salad, but they don't have a lot of proteins mm-hmm. besides a little bit of cheese. Mm-hmm. And then they have their proteins at, at night. Yeah. So it's a, once a day, maybe twice, but mm-hmm. you don't need a lot of this huge amount. <laughs> yes, a massive, <laughs> massive amount, amount of protein. Yeah. When you, so you described, um, you mentioned the, you know, breaking down the subconscious. Mm-hmm. Is that how you said it? Subconscious reprogramming. Yes. What is that? So that's a technique that I've learned that is um, super, like I would say the most powerful technique in helping you break patterns mm-hmm. and helping you move forward. And whether you are wanting to stop feeling the guilt around food or lose mm-hmm. weight or attract the new lover, you know, whatever Get pregnant the reason or is. whatever. Yeah. Yes. Um, it works on the subconscious mind because if you think about an iceberg, mm-hmm. the iceberg, you see only the top of the iceberg, right? That's the conscious mind. It's only 5% of our brain. Mm-hmm. And there is the whole 95% underneath the water, that's subconscious. So you think that you're having kind of a behavior, a conscious behavior. You think that. You can say, oh, I am attracting this person or I am eating cheese and, I, and, and you're having this behavior, right? And you think consciously, this is a reason why. It tastes good. Yeah. Now, through the subconscious mind, you will realize that it has nothing to do with what you think. Mm-hmm. Mm. don't believe everything you think that kind no, of no because through these subconscious programming sessions everything that it's stored there comes out and that's when we see the grandma that said mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm, don't eat that yeah. that's when literally a client 
that was so addicted to like fast foods, like literally would black out, go to the fast food. And she's like, I don't know what's happening through the session. She couldn't remember eating it. Is that what it was? She would black well, out. She, she would black out and like go and eat it. And then she would be oh. like, I can't stop myself. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and so I don't painful. know why. I know it's bad for me. So that's a self-sabotaging thought. I know that's bad for me. I can't stop it. Mm -hmm. And then through the subconscious reprogramming session, it came out that she was um, playing with the sister and the babysitter and the babysitter locked them in the closet. Oh my gosh. It was kind of a joke for the babysitter, but she got so scared that every time she was triggered with the abandonment or I feel alone, Uh she would drive to the... McDonald, for example. Oh, poor thing, yeah. So sometimes we think that's a joke and then it gets stored there and then you get triggered. Mm-hmm. You don't know the trigger until you go into the subconscious and then everything comes out. Mm. Another client was like, I have this addiction to sugar yeah. and I'm very healthy. She was actually a health coach. Mm. And we went into the subconscious and we realized that it was all about grief because she lost her first husband mm. and she had not processed that. Yeah. So... All different manifestations. Different. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow, that's, I mean, that's a lot. So what does that look like? Is it like EMDR? Does somebody lay down, close their eyes? How do you do mm-hmm. that? Yeah, whether you're in Zoom or in person, you close your eyes and then I am the facilitator. So the technique that I've studied is called RIM, R-I-M, mm-hmm. Regenerating Images in Memory. And Obviously, we follow a protocol and I take you down to the subconscious mind, but it's not hypnotherapy. Yeah. Okay. And then whatever comes up, literally it surfaces in like 10 minutes. And then they're like, oh my God, I didn't know this came up. I just did one this morning. I forgot about this. And then they process the emotion in a safer way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's all about processing the emotion. Mm-hmm. until you feel it you won't release it mm. and I'm there we literally make sure that the client I make sure that the client doesn't get re-traumatized and then yeah. they let go and they recreate an image that's now part of their conscious brain mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and usually that trigger goes away and kind of replace whatever that mm-hmm. moment was that yeah. was triggering yeah. Yeah. Well, then you must be a safe place for a lot of people. That's yeah. pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It is. I know. I have people that open up during their first consultation. Yeah. And they start crying. They're like, I don't know what happened. And I'm like, it's okay. And, yeah. and that's great. It's Isn't great to see. Insane, though, that that is connected, that people, so this woman with grief... Or the, you know, woman who's eating fast food and she's remember, I mean, the fact that she would black out and she's remembering this moment in the closet with the Mm -hmm. babysitter, that those kinds of things, fear, grief, um, you know, being mortified about something, Mm -hmm. being nervous about something, Mm -hmm. excited even, I mean, they're, they're happy triggers too, right? That they somehow connect with how we eat. Which feels like such a modern problem. Um, I I don't know that people who were, let's say, you know, did did the cavemen 
go Mm -hmm. through this where they have something hard to process and they go and they eat a whole bunch. I don't think they did because eating was such an in the moment hunting gathering Mm -hmm. thing, no refrigeration, no excess, you know, and if anything, famine. So now we live in this time when everything's available to us. Mm -hmm. Um, and when we have these triggering thoughts and emotions, we can just act on them. Mm -hmm. We can go and, you know, soothe our nerves, coat our nerves with whatever food is. It's such a fast way to get comfort. Exactly. And it, I feel that it's important for the audience that is listening to understand that until you make food your enemy and you fight the the pleasure and the comfort that you get, and until you realize that I can find pleasure in food, that doesn't mean that I have to go overboard mm-hmm. and I can still listen, listen to my emotions, mm-hmm. then that's the real healing. It's like, yeah. I need to listen to this and then stop coping with food and then enjoy my pleasurable meal over yeah. here. Yeah. And so let's say if the meal is over, it's something that really soothes me like a big thing of pasta. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that my body is done. Let's say I'm like 80% full, mm-hmm. which I always feel is such a great place to stop, you know, to, to feel so that, cause it takes a while to digest something. Your, your oh. brain is not always connected to your, right. how full you are. So anyway, let's say I eat, 80, I'm 80% full and I think, okay, I can tell that my body's telling me to stop. Um, but I want it and I'm frustrated, irritable, tired, Mm -hmm. lonely, whatever it is. What can I do then to keep from continuing on the path with the pasta? How can I actually find comfort that has nothing to do with what I put in my mouth? Well, that brings you back to mindful activities and becoming aware of what you need. So what I tell my clients is ask yourself, what does my body need right now? Mm-hmm. What, if you could have anything. And if you say, I need a nap, go and lay down for 20 minutes mm-hmm. because that's what your body needs. Maybe your body's really tired. So you really have to practice listening mm-hmm. to what you really need. Sometimes it's a good cry. Sometimes it's, yeah. I'm really stressed out about this and take a moment to decrease that stress. But understand, it takes practice. Understand. Yes. And listening. So those, so that's, so you actually pretty much just brought me back around to the initial question. If I'm feeling lonely, angry, mm-hmm. tired, whatever, and I want to keep eating, how can I stop? Well, feel lonely, angry, tired, whatever, yeah. and address that need. If you feel it, you release it. And most of the time people think, if I feel it, I will drown. Mm. That's what they say. And I'm like, no, the fastest you feel it, the fastest it will go away. And then you can continue about your day. Yeah. When's the last time you felt, if you're comfortable telling me, when's the last time you felt some of the old symptoms of um, disordered eating and how did you deal with that wow that's been a long time i uh that's been years hooray that's great yeah because i've switched my mindset around food to even if i gain weight it's all about bringing it back to how can i heal what do i need to do and focusing on my gut health but it's been 
Probably like before I got pregnant. So 21, 22 wow. was the last time. Yeah. 21, 22 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that's, isn't, that's good. Yes. It's been eight years. Yep. That's yeah. Awesome. I, my mom brings it back and I think she has trauma. Every time I go back, she's like, you're not eating enough. And I'm like, I actually am following my body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, that actually sometimes brings me back to what I used to do, but it doesn't really affect me anymore. Yeah. Family. I wonder if it, because you're so far from them, Mm -hmm. if that maybe helps as well. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just with like the triggery stuff, it's not there. It's not parents fault. And we, you and I as parents, I mean, it's terrifying to think that we could mm-hmm. trigger something in our kids, but 100% I'm going to and do, you know, it's just part of, it's a part of the relationship. It's part of living so closely together and patterning somebody. Yeah. And I love my family, but my relationship with food stemmed from the relationship with my parents and the codependency and they were very controlling. And I felt like the only thing I could control was food. Yep. So I left to find out who I really was and the distance helps because now I do what I want and I follow my body and uh, they don't comment anymore every second of the day. Right. There isn't that constant (laughs) fear of like, what are they going to say or whatever it is? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, If you were going to die tomorrow and you were like, I've had such a good life. I feel really good about what I've done with my life. How would you celebrate with food? What would you eat and what would you drink and who would be with you? (laughs) Well, you don't have to worry about gut health in this case. Although you might, you might like feel like, no, I like these nourishing foods. I would eat my favorite dish, which is lasagna. Mm-hmm. And I would have a glass of white. Actually, I mean, there is red meat, but I love white wine. Mm-hmm. Same. <laughs> so do I. I love it. <laughs> I digest it better. Yeah. And I would have tiramisu afterwards. Nice. Nice. And it would be with my best friends over here and from Italy, but my soul sisters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I kids. Obviously. And kids, of course. I didn't ask you this, but I, I want to get it in before I forget. With alcohol and with the different um, mm-hmm. body types, is there, I mean, is it just off limits or is it within moderation or are they each different in how they metabolize it? I will give you two different answers. So, yeah, it is always different. Ayurvedically, um, I mean, I, Ayurveda doesn't think alcohol needs to be included I mean, in the is, diet. It is poison. <laughs> yes. You know, it so, just is. Yeah. Uh, they recommend not having any, any alcohol. From an Italian perspective, I can tell you that um, moderation is key. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you drink, I don't know, a couple of glasses a week, not every day, yeah. I wouldn't recommend it. But like during the weekend, that is kind of healthy. Yeah. So I've seen that and they've man- they're maintaining their weight in my, in the Italian culture and they're having fun and pleasure. Yeah. So 
I kind of go with the Italians on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I will take your, I will take that answer. That's the one I choose. Sarah, thank you for coming and for sharing so much of your expertise. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jamie, for having me. That's a wrap for this episode of Consumed. Thanks so much to Chris Lambert, who edits the podcast, and to you for listening. If you want more info about Consumed or any of my guests, visit letsgetconsumed.com. Until next time, I'm Jamie Lewis.